Amen. Hey, as we uh, turn to the Word of God, John chapter 15, Pat helped me with this by putting X's by what I was supposed to read. <laughs> so that's good, you know. Anyway, as we, as we turn to the Word, John chapter 15, uh, dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Live in me and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding, being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. Apart from me, cut off from the vital union with me, you can do nothing. If you live in me, abide vitally united to me, and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts. Ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. When you bear much fruit, my Father's honored, and he's glorified, and you show and prove yourselves to be true followers of mine. Father, we come this morning, and uh, God, we just come from so many different places. So many things going on leading up to this time. So many things going on, we have to get done. And God, we just come to this moment now, and we just set those things aside, and we just pray that we would uh, come and hear from you, the King of kings, Lord of lords. And so as Pat comes to speak now, Father, we just pray that you would just anoint him with your power, with your spirit, that you would give us the ability to just hear from you, and may you be glorified in our time. Amen. Thanks, Steve. I put those X's there for me, so I can find where I'm supposed to be. He was laughing because I just picked out the abiding verses because that's what the, the topic is this morning, uh, but he was going to throw in some extras for my benefit. Well, here we are uh, really coming toward the end of this season of the vine, our look in depth at John chapter 15 and what it, what it means to abide in the vine. And we've talked a lot over this series about uh, the nature, the characteristics of a vine and the branches and fruit and pruning and discipline and, and all those different aspects of the vine dresser taking care of a precious, fruitful vine. Uh, but really, as we've been kind of, uh, I guess, trying to convey over this time, what this passage really focuses on is the normal Christian life. And that's why we paused here. Remember, we're still in this series of Jesus' life, the, the words and works of Jesus, and, and we're at that place where they've, they've left uh, the... The Last Supper, the Upper Room, they're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's with his 12 apostles. This is a teaching that he's giving them right as they need it. Because all of his ministry has been pointing to what's going to happen next, but what he's talking about now to his disciples is what's going to happen after that. Because he's on his way now to fulfill the promise. Remember, the normal Christian life is the Spirit of God dwelling within a person 
with giving life to their spirit and uh, communing with God. Back in the garden, that's how Adam and his wife were, but they, uh, they lost that when they chose to step out in independence from God. And that's what that choice was in the garden that they made. And since that time until this day when Jesus is explaining to his disciples what, what a normal person looks like, there was a barrier. There was a barrier between God and man, and he was just about going to remove it. He was hours away at this point in Scripture from removing that barrier by virtue of the sacrifice of his life offered up for the forgiveness of our sins. And once accomplished, when he cried out from the cross, it is finished, that barrier signified by that veil that tore from top to bottom, the, the barrier that separated the the presence of God from the presence of man in the temple, when he cried out, it is finished, it was finished. And for the first time since the garden, man could be inhabited by the Spirit of God. And that was hard for these guys to comprehend. It's hard really for us to comprehend. But that's what he's teaching them here with the vine. He's taking an, an ordinary something very familiar to him, an ordinary object, and saying, it's like this. He steps into the realm of horticulture to, to uh, provide a symbol of what was going to happen and what they were going to look like, what they were going to be like once he removed that veil and once his spirit would again be united with their spirit and they would come alive. Now, the vine is, to these people, uh, it was a very vivid, a very familiar uh, object. To us, we can grasp that. Some of you may grow grapes. Some of you may have looked at it. Some of you during the study may have even uh, looked at it a little more intently. But there's a lot to it, but it's also very simple. There's a lot to it in that uh, to be a good vine dresser, it takes a lot of attention. It takes a lot of care, a lot of concern, a lot of love. That's what the vine dresser offers. The vine is subject to the vine dresser, and that's where we've been over the course of this uh, the study is we've looked a lot at what the vine dresser does with the vine. And here we're looking at, well, what does the branch do when it's connected to the, to the vine? All through that passage Steve read, and if you noticed it was a little wordy, it's because he was reading from the Amplified uh, Bible, and I'll be quoting or reading from the Amplified Version this morning, so if it sounds a little bit different, that's why. Uh, but I looked up in the dictionary the theme of those verses, abide. And it says to remain, to dwell, to last, to bear, to endure, to act in accordance with, or to keep. The character of what is abiding in the vine is the same as the vine. 
The, the branch will not act independent of the vine. It can't. And so the nature and the character of the vine itself will be seen in the branch and anything that comes through the branch. And as we've been looking at this whole picture of, of this vine in this vineyard, we've been, uh, we, need to, we need to focus on some key things when it comes to, okay, how do we abide? How do we remain in Christ? How do we offer ourselves up to Him? How do we allow His life to be lived through us? What does it truly mean to abide? And, and I, just in thinking of it on, for my own simplistic, practical uh, way of thinking, I came up with, uh, for me, uh, what I think are the keys to abiding in the vine. The first one, you need to know where you live. It's tough to abide if you don't know where you live. And the scriptures are very clear about a Christian, someone who is a Christian, they are someone in whom the Spirit of God dwells. We focus on that when we, when we talk about uh, becoming a Christian we, or when we're trying to identify a Christian or explain a Christian, we say, well, they're a person who has the Spirit of God dwelling within them. And that is true, totally true. But did you know in the Scriptures, for every one verse that talks about the Spirit of God dwelling within us, there's six verses that talk about us dwelling in Him. The emphasis is on our knowledge of our place in Him. We've been grafted in. We've been, we're, we're a part of Him if we're a Christian. So we have to know where we live. There's a passage here in, in Colossians that I want to read for you. If I still have it in here. Maybe I don't. Yeah, I do. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, this is again from the Amplified Bible, so it's going to be a little wordy. Paul writes this. He says, As you have therefore received Christ, even Jesus the Lord, so walk, regulate your lives, and conduct yourselves in union with and conformity to Him. Have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in Him, fixed and founded in Him, being continually built up in Him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. Did you notice that? In Him, that our roots are firmly and deeply planted in Him. We're now abiding in in him we're a member we're a part we're of the true vine he says i am the vine you are the branches so where do we live we live in him another verse back here in first john verses 13 and 15 says this by this we come to know perceive recognize and understand that we abide we live and remain in him and he in us because He has given, He has imparted to us His Holy Spirit. Anyone who confesses, acknowledges, owns that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides, lives, makes His home in Him, and He abides, lives, and makes His home 
in God. We abide in Christ just as He abides in us. So we got to know where we live because everything about our character now is going to reflect the one in whom we live and the one who lives in us. That is the plan. That's the normal Christian life. There's some barriers to that which we'll talk about, but we have to understand if we're going to abide, we've got to understand that we dwell in Him. We're living in Him. The second key is just as we have to know where we live, we have to know who we are. We can't function as a branch. We can't function in truth if we don't know what the truth is. Jesus, of course, is the truth, and now we dwell in Him and He in us. We're surrounded. It says that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Well, what did we become? We became His children. We became part and parcel of Him. We became now identified truly, spiritually by Him. We were born again, born into Him. It says that we are a saint, a royal priesthood, a child of God, a new creation created for good works, a person chosen of God to reveal His will. We've been given everything that we need to live this life. We've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. In Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 20, this is just after Paul has talked to the, uh, the church or the believers, uh, the family of God in Ephesus, and he was just telling them, you know, you've got to put off this, this mindset that you had before, which, you know, walking like the rest of the world who doesn't know truth. And then he goes on to say, uh, or he was talking about how we learn to live in darkness. He says, but you did not learn so in Christ. Assuming that you have really heard him and been taught by him, as all truth is in Jesus. Strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off and discard your old, unrenewed self, your flesh, which characterized your previous manner of life and, be, and becomes corrupt through lusts and, de and desires that spring from delusion. And, he constant, and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude, and put on the new nature, the regenerate self, created in God's image, God-like in true righteousness and holiness. Do you see yourself that way? Because that's how you are. If you're one who has put your faith in the actions of God in declaring His love for you by sending His Son to remove the barrier so that His Spirit and your spirit can be reunited, and if you by faith have received that this is who you are. You're righteous and you're holy. Your spirit is as holy as it's ever going to get. And, this, and your spirit is your true nature, your true identity. He didn't join a new nature to your old one. The old self was crucified. You have a new nature now. Your only problem in mine is that 
We've been conformed to the world. We've got this stinky thinking up here that tells us we can be God ourselves, that we can live independent of God. But the truth is, that's not who I am. I am dependent upon God. I am united with Him. I dwell in Him and He in me. I have to know who I am. If I believe I'm a monkey, I'm going to act like a monkey. If I believe I'm a dog, I'm going to bark uh, at strangers. My behavior is going to tell you what I believe, but my behavior is not declaring the truth about who I am as a human being. If I believe I'm of this world, I'm going to live like the world. If I believe that it's up to me to make things happen, if I believe it's up to me to provide for myself, then I'm going to live like the rest of the world, but I'm not of the world. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. The truth is, I'm a child of God, and everything that I need is, is provided to me by Him. But my actions aren't going to change until I change what I believe. And we're instructed to do so. To understand abiding, we have to understand that it's an active participation. It's an active thing, not a passive thing. We tend to think of abiding as just kind of hanging out. And in a sense, that's true in that we're attached to the vine and we're totally dependent upon the vine. But abiding is active. It's very much something that is a constant doing. Not us, but Him doing through us. But what is our part? Because it does take something on our part. It takes a constant mindset, moment by moment, of who we are, where we live, and what are the purposes of my life. My life is to bear the image of God. The purpose of my life is to be uh, an image bearer of Christ as He decides to declare His character through me. He doesn't ask me to be Him. He asked me to be available to Him so that He can declare Himself through me in my various talents or lack thereof, uh, gifting, uh, personality, relationships, uh, vocation, whatever it is before me for the day, God wants to be God through me. And I get to partner with Him. But it's up to me to choose to partner with Him. I can at any time say, nope, and do my own thing. And guess what? Nothing gets done except stuff I have to go back and clean up later. If I choose to abide, if I decide, it, remember we're told in, in, uh, by Paul to the, the Corinthians, it says that we're in a battle. And it says that, that we've been given everything for this battle. But he goes on to tell us what that battle is. He, he says that, that we're to take every thought captive. It says that we're, we're, to, we're destroying or we're to destroy speculations and every lofty thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, the truth. And we're, take, we're to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Truth. See, you can't do that without being active. 
If you just let your mind go passive and you just respond, react to whatever thoughts you have, you're going you're gonna to be in a mess. We tend to acknowledge that for the big things where, where there are major aberrations to what we know is true of God, but what about the little things? We're going to miss the day-to-day living if we're not paying attention to every thought that we have. It's that simple. Abiding is active in that we're constantly checking what we're thinking. Is it truth? Is it coming from the Holy Spirit who now dwells within me, instructing me, guiding me, encouraging me? Or is it coming from the enemy who wants to destroy me and the people around me? Is it coming from the enemy who wants to give a false picture of Christ through me, a Christian? Because he has the ability to give me thoughts. And if I'm not paying attention, because the thoughts sound the same, they sound like me. But if I'm not paying attention, I'm not going to be able to discern if those thoughts come from the enemy or from God if, if I'm not taking those thoughts captive, if I'm not thinking through them before I act on them. So I've got to pay attention. Does it line up with the character of God or not? So abiding is active. I want to read a parallel verse to this whole passage that we've been looking at in John 15 about the vine, the normal Christian life. I, feel, I believe that uh, uh, the author of Romans, or Paul, the author of Romans, gave us a picture of this in, in chapter 12. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. No longer be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its, its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. Presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, that's abiding. That's saying, God, I trust you. God, this is a foreign place for me. This, this doesn't seem, seem comfortable for me, but I can see this is, the, this is how to reveal your character. You're going to have to do this through me, and he'll supply everything through us. Our job is to present. Our, our whole part in this process of abiding is to present ourselves to him. And he then gives us the wisdom and the strength to do whatever it, is, whatever it is that he wants done. Abiding, it's not us producing the fruit, it's him producing the fruit, it's us bearing that fruit. There's another verse that I feel is uh, very integral in this whole picture of the vine uh, and, and now the normal Christian life, and it's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, be happy in your faith and rejoice and be glad-hearted continually. Be unceasing in prayer. 
praying perseveringly. Thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you. In Christ Jesus, the revealer and mediator of that will. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not spurn the gifts and utterances of prophets. Do not depreciate prophetic revelations, nor despise inspired instruction or exhortation or warning. But test and prove all things until you can recognize what is good, to that, what is good and to that hold fast. Abstain from evil, shrink from it, and keep aloof from it in whatever form or whatever kind it may be. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, separate you from, the, from profane things, make you pure and holy, consecrated to God, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That's abiding. Praying without ceasing. Being in constant communication with God as to the events and circumstances of your life. It's not that God has channeled with his finger this, uh, this, this gutter through which we flow uh, and, and have no ability to do otherwise. Everything about this passage screams relationship. And relationship means we choose to be relational with Him. He loves us. We declare our love of Him when we trust Him. Which means we got to hang out with Him. We have to know from Him. He wants the best for us, and He wants the best for those around us, and He wants to <clears throat> excuse me, live His life through us to benefit them. We can't do that if we're not hanging with Him. We can't do that if we're not listening to Him. We can't do that if we're not worshiping Him, knowing that He's the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and that everything He does and says is right and pure, and perfect. So we have to focus on knowing where we live, knowing who we are. We have to recognize that abiding is, pa is active and not passive. Uh, and we have, to, we have to focus on being and not doing. And by that I mean this. As you've looked through this... Uh, I guess this study, if you've been involved with this study, as you've listened to us, there's an emphasis in here on fruit. But let me warn you about something. If you start focusing on the fruit, you're sunk. If you start counting the fruit, if you start measuring the size of the grapes, if you start comparing your basket to somebody else's, even if you're checking yours constantly, say, okay, how did I do today? You're sunk. Because it isn't about the fruit. It's about abiding. Abiding then enables God to produce the fruit through us. But if we're focused on the fruit, we're constantly measuring we're evaluating ourselves and our life based on what we perceive as fruit and how it looks in our basket. 
And what it'll breed, it'll breed a, a, a focus now on, uh, on my works. And as soon as I start looking at my works, now I start performing. And I start doing the things that I think are going to put more fruit in my basket. I start, I start focusing on, on measuring what, what was done and deciding how my relationship with God is based on the amount, the quantity, the size of the grapes and the clusters of grapes. What that'll do is it will sink me. I'll become legalistic. I'll start doing what I do out of a mechanical drive because I'm focused on the fruit production. And we'll be sunk because that's going to shift you into self-effort mode. And God isn't impressed with what we can produce. All of it burns. He wants us to see what He produces. You'll see some of the fruit. But the fruit isn't to be your motive, your motive uh, doing it. The fruit isn't to be your motivation. The Spirit of God, your walk with God, your love of God, your faith, your trust in God is to be your motivation. It's a relationship. And what I mean by that is this. We tend to think that good fruit, big fruit, big clusters of fruit is if we're out here evangelizing and people are coming to Jesus. Or we're discipling somebody or we're, we're working with poor people or doing things like that where we can put our stamp on it and everybody can see, wow, that guy is fruitful. Don't get me wrong evangelizing, discipling people, helping the poor, those can all be fruit. But it can also be self-effort. You see, the little things are just as fruitful. The smile that you give to somebody who needs it when prompted by God to give it. The kind word. The encouraging uh, uh, deed the, the little things throughout your day can be just as much fruit as the big things. We tend to decide what's fruit and what's not fruit, what's much fruit and what's little fruit. What, what are the big grapes and what are the little grapes? And you know what? That's not ours to decide. We can go through our day and touch many, many lives and not even know how. I was sharing with an individual this week that his presence bears fruit to me. This is a guy who makes me smile when I see him. This is a guy who I see his love of Jesus when I see him. I don't have to talk to him. He doesn't have to talk to me. But I see him and I'm encouraged by him. He's bearing fruit. And he doesn't even know it. That's fruit in his basket so to speak but what it really is it's God's spirit working through him the way God's spirit works through his children that's just as important as anything else just as God doesn't measure sin by some sort of standard of measure gossips listed right there next to mur uh, murder 
He doesn't measure fruit that way either. Fruit is what he does through us. Little, big in our eyes, doesn't matter. It's his fruit. It's him working through us. So we got to focus on being. Being that branch. Being that, that vessel, that instrument of God. And being available to him. Let him worry about the fruit. What happens is as his spirit flows through us and splashes out on others, which is how we classify fruit, guess what we're experiencing? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of his spirit. Everybody benefits when we walk with God. Everybody. Where does the abundance get registered? With us. It's the abundant life that he told us about. And finally, I think there's a season that we have to understand. If we're going to really understand abiding in Jesus, I think we have to understand the seasons. I know Steve talked about this. Bill alluded to it as well. There's a se- there are seasons of a grapevine. In the spring... Everything comes to life. In the spring, the, the vine starts uh, regenerating, rejuvenating that, that branch. Uh, and the branch begins to grow in preparation for uh, the work that the vine is going to do through it and the fruit it's going to produce through it and the, and the, uh, the weight of the fruit that it's going to have to bear. So, so there's a rejuvenation of this branch. The focus at that point in the spring is on the branch. Uh, and, and as it, in the abundance, it starts to sprout leaves and different things like that, declaring it's alive, declaring it's growing, declaring it's healthy. And then pretty soon comes what is needed for the fruit production. That's the summertime, where all of a sudden, all the activity of the vine being pumped through that branch starts to show up in fruit. And it's a productive season. The energy of the vine is on the fruit and the branch is bearing it. The branch is transferring what is necessary from the vine to produce the fruit and it comes on. It's a very busy time for the branch, but the busyness is that it's transferring from the vine to the fruit what it needs. Then comes the fall, the season we're in now. And again, now that the fruit is produced, now the focus goes back onto the branch again where the carbohydrates start to get uh, built up, stored up in that branch, repairing it, restoring it, getting it ready for the spring when it gets there. But the focus gets on the branch again. It's kind of me time for the branch where, where... the, the vine is giving to the branch what it needs for the winter. But during that time in the fall, you can see w- what happens because any fruit that's still hanging on that branch begins to wither up because there's nothing coming from the vine through the branch to that fruit anymore. It's already been matured and, and it doesn't need anything anymore, so it cuts off any flow that goes to that fruit. Same with the leaves. That's why they turn yellow or red or whatever color grapevine leaves turn. 
red, I think. Uh, but it turned, and then all of a sudden they dry up and they fall off. Because everything that's coming from the vine is now going to the branch, and then it slows down once it's replenished, once all those carbohydrates are stored up in that, in that uh, branch, then it goes to sleep, and it rests for the winter. Steve talked about those seasons in our life as a Christian. Those seasons are determined by God. We don't decide when we're going to have a summer and when we're going to have a winter. God decides that and He works in big ways in our life where sometimes He's just building things in us. Sometimes He's caring for us. Sometimes He's, he's, just, he's, he's uh, enjoying time with us. Sometimes He's just producing through us and whatnot. And then there's seasons where, where we're resting in the big picture. But I'm here to tell you too that that means... There's seasons within seasons because every day is a new season. Because every day you wake up, you've got a purpose on this planet. You come out of your sleep. That's that time of rest. It's, it's that time of dormancy where, where God rejuvenates the, the body, <coughs> where He gives it its rest, where He does His thing, where, our body, where He can focus on the, the, our, our soul and our... Uh, our body in our sleep. And here's how it works for me, and I don't want you to get all legalistic in thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to do, da 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 because this is between you and God. I'm just telling you how it works for me. If I'm doing things that I feel the way God designed me and my life and my schedule and my personality and everything else, what happens is my, when I wake up in the morning, it's my springtime. It's when I need to feed myself. It's when the energy of the vine is focused on getting the vine ready or getting the branch ready. That means for me a quiet time. That means for me a prayer time. That means for me a, a time in His Word where I get focused, where I get uh, directed, where I get encouraged, I get fed by the bread of life and the, and the living water, where I'm nourished and ready to do what God has created me to do in further abide. But keep in mind, doing that is abiding. I'm, I'm in touch, I'm grafted in, I'm connected to the vine. But then comes my summer. I, I deal with my wife. And I'm to bear fruit to love her, God's love through me to her. And then I step out the door and I deal with society. I deal with our culture. I deal with the people of our world. And for me, that means counseling, that means teaching, that means all these different things because of what God has me doing. But now the focus is more on abiding in the sense of, okay, God, what are you going to do through me today? How do you want to do it? I am so dependent upon you to give anybody any wisdom because I don't have any on my own. I know how to wreck a life. I certainly only know how to put one together because you taught me. So how do you want to tell these other people? I'm totally dependent upon God. If anybody ever comes and visits with me for any kind of counsel or discipleship, they're going to get nothing from me. I can tell, I can steer them over a cliff if it's my wisdom. But they'll be blessed if I'm being the branch that lets the sap of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the wisdom, the truth of God flow through me to them. 
if I'm hearing with His ears, if I'm discerning with His Spirit, letting Him instruct me what somebody's saying and why they're doing what they're doing and where it is He's at work in their life, then I'm, I am connected with Him and He's pouring His goodness through me to them. It has nothing to do with me except the availability. They just happen to be within earshot of me. But it's all Him. That's the summer of my life, that's a, or my day. That's, the, that's when, when I'm, I'm allowing Him to produce fruit, and I'm just bearing it. Then comes another part of my day, and sometimes this is intermittent through my day, and sometimes it's in the evening of my day, where all of a sudden I hit the fall, where it's like build up the branch time. It's me time with God. Not so much in me looking, looking to his word and studying. Sometimes that's it. But a lot of times it's just him and I, like a father and a son, hanging out. Whether it's riding my motorcycle, whether it's mowing the yard, whether it's uh, just resting, whether it's playing with my, my grandkids or my kids, you know, it, just hanging out with it. That's, that's God working through other people and whether it's them or whether it's directly he's just kind of building me up you know he's not asking anything of me. he's just providing to me it's just me and my dad and he's just blessing me that's kind of the fall of my day then i go to sleep because i need rest i need rejuvenation so there's a season within the season Every day is a season of abiding. And if we don't see that, we're going to miss it all. Every day that you're awake and every day that you're uh, aware of your presence at all is an opportunity for God to produce fruit through you. That's why we're to pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean we're on our knees with our eyes closed and our hands clenched, especially when we're driving. Uh, it means I've got a running dialogue going with the King of Kings who now dwells within me. How to conduct myself in accordance with His character because it's a new deal for me in a lot of ways, in new things that come my way. Some things I'm getting used to because He's shown me and we've walked together. It doesn't mean I take it from God and say, okay, I can do this now. No, I'm just, I'm just sensitive in a lot of ways to some things that him and I have been doing together for a long time. But there's new things every day. So I want to encourage you to look at your life, look at this day as an opportunity for you and God to bear fruit. He'll produce it. You bear it. You're grafted in Him. You live in Him. You, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, but it's Him living His life through you. So the conclusion, really, of all this, what I'd like you to take away from this whole study is to be. Be who you are. Be available to be who you are, which is an expression of his life. Let him take care of all the rest. Let's pray.
Father God, thank you for being our Lord and Savior. Thank you for giving us everything that we need. Thank you, Father, for your life. Apart from you, we recognize we can do nothing. Father, work this truth of the vine into our lives so that we can be fruitful as you are fruitful through us. And we'll trust you for the outcome and how that looks in our life and the lives of those that we touch. In Jesus' name we give thanks. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Steve, come on up. We're just going to sing the chorus to How Great Is Our God. Just one time through. Let's sing it. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. You know, as we close, I know you guys on this side realize there's a bird up there. So if you hear like a shot, it's probably Lee or Bruce Dedick trying to get their Sportsman's Feast trophy. But I'm just kidding. We're not going to shoot the bird, okay? So it's okay. But uh, as you go, may God bless you. Uh, may he just uh, lift up his countenance on you. May he pour out his grace on you. And may you just enjoy your walk with God. God bless you all. Bye. <laughs>